Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation and teach for just a few moments. I think they're going to be out a little early next door. We just, I'm just staying in the same thing that I've been at for a while. Um, we uh, covered a bit of ground on Sunday. And um, I'm just going to hold that to where we're at on Sunday and just look at the, uh, it's all in the same vein. I just want to use a couple of texts tonight that are different than where we're at on Sunday. Pull that down just a little bit. Not not too low, but just a little bit. Um, I've been reading one book for a while and I just keep rereading it because it's that good and I'm going to read you some of it just a little bit tonight but Sunday we was in here I just think we sung if you were not here Sunday we just sang one song it was one song the whole worship service and we got into a line about here he knows every detail of our life and we just kept singing that and just kept singing that and what was crazy is on that Saturday afternoon, I was sitting with John Bentley in a tree stand. And, um, and I sent out a text with that line in it, that God, it's amazing how every detail of our life he's working out, friend, I'm telling you. No matter where you're at tonight, I want you to know this, that God cares about you. And we say that cliché in the church that God cares about us but I'm telling you he really cares about us about four people believe that but he really loves us and he's really passionate about us even though we're jacked up messed up and full of problems he still loves us and he's still crazy about us and he's never held your weakness or your shortcoming or where you didn't measure up he's never held that against you not one day about three people believe that. But I said, your weakness, your shortcomings, your bad attitudes, your cussing. I know y'all don't never do none of that. He's never held that against you. But see, but we just lost half the audience on Facebook Live. He's a grace preacher. Grace is not a teaching, it's a person. John chapter 1, Jesus Christ, he came full of grace and truth. It's a person. So listen to this. We say this, and I didn't come up with this. I got it from Bill Johnson, and it's worthy of repeating, that Bill says that Jesus is perfect theology. So whatever we believe about God that we cannot find in the life of Jesus, we have to question what we believe. 
Come on now. I was raised up that God won't always strive with man. How many's heard that? God's not always going to strive with you. Well, that is a scripture. It's found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. But that's not written to a New Testament believer. <clears throat> Hello. And that's written before the flood. You all right? From the time that Adam fell until Genesis chapter 6, when God sends the flood and he makes a covenant with a man named Noah, and he puts Noah's family on there, on the ark. Come on, the ark was not like pictures we see of an ark where four giraffes are hanging out the side of the boat. The ark had one window. Where was that ark? At? Where was the wind at in the ark? It was in the very top. The ark had three levels, right? He's the way, the truth, and the life. It was a prophetic picture. Come on, somebody. Of the true ark that was to come. And all that would enter into that side of that door, come on, that was pierced at Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, would have eternal life. But God makes a covenant with a man named Noah, and then we went over this uh, in a leadership class, that even when God sent the flood, most people preached that God was angry. He was ticked off. The Bible never says that he was angry. It says that he was sad. He was sad at the condition that where man had got. Come on now. Because when, when Adam fell, I'm just setting some of this up. When Adam fell, self-preservation entered in. And in, in Adam's mindset, self-preservation went in. And he went, and they, you know, that they, they, they did the fig leaves. Then God came and God put a, 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 a skin covering on them that would protect them. Look at him being a good father. He's going to protect them from the elements. Drives them out of the garden and he puts two, he puts cherubim there to guard the entrance of the garden where they would not eat of the tree of life and remain in that fallen state. And then we, he, Adam goes into this self-preservation state and what enters in is this, it's God's not a good father. So if I'm going to get taken care of, I got to take care of myself. God's always taking care of us. Come on, y'all. God's always taking care of us. When you, when, you, when you wasn't even walking with him, he's taking care of you. Come on now. Come on. Some of us should have been dead. Why aren't we? It ain't because you just happened to make it on your own this, thus far. Come on, somebody. God's always been looking after us. And so think about this. Whatever I believe about God... Whatever I believe about God that I don't find in the life of Jesus, I have to question. Because look at this right here in Hebrews chapter 1. Look at this. Throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at the time, building one truth upon another. But to us living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything. For through him, God created the panorama of all things and all time. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature. Man, that's good right there. The exact expression of God's true nature. His mirror image. What does he look like? What does God look like? He looks like Jesus. Come on now. My God. 
The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. Now, what I want to talk to you tonight is just, I just really want to read two things, and then I want to talk about them just for a little bit of time here. In Matthew chapter 16, this is where Jesus takes the disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And this is where he asked them the question, Whom do men say that I am? Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say that thou art Elijah. But he says, Who, who do you say that I am? Well, Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. You with me? And he says, I say unto you that you are Peter, Petra, the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Matthew chapter 16. A few verses in that. I didn't quote the whole chapter. So listen to this. Who do you say that I am? Is addressed to each of us. Just pondering some questions. Who do you say that I am is addressed to each of us. Who is the Jesus of your own inner world? Listen to this. Describe the Christ that you have personally encountered on the grounds of your own self. Whom do men say that I am? Not who did Granny say. Come on, y'all. Not who the preacher said. Not who a book said. But who is Jesus the Christ in our own inner world? Who is the Christ in me? Who is the Christ in Cleve? Who is the Christ in Steve? Who is the Christ of our own inner world? That's the question. Is he the Christ? Is he the Christ that we just read about in Hebrews chapter Hebrews chapter 1? Is he the Christ that we found in John chapter 8 when the woman was caught into adultery? Or is, he, or is he the Jesus that visits you on your good days, but he flees from you on your bad days? Who is the Christ in our own inner world? Now, we've been after this, and I've said this two or three times, and it's worthy of repeating tonight and probably keep repeating till we get it. All sin starts with a distorted view of God. And the real reality is, is because we feel bad about ourselves and we know our own shortcomings and the guilt that enters into my own life, then I begin to project that on God. And I believe God feels about me the way I feel about me. But God never feels about me the way I feel about me. That's good news, y'all. Hello. God never feels sad or angry about me. Listen to this. We can only repeat pious turns of speech that other has spoken if we have not gained some partial insight in the richness of the mystery of Jesus Christ. If I have not an encounter of my own, if I've never encountered what we sang about tonight, your love, your love, that old Daryl Evans song, your love is extravagant. If I've never experienced that, 
than is some foreign fairy tale. When we were singing that song Sunday about he knows the details of our life, I could hear someone over singing in the crowd behind me saying, help me dare to believe. Because this is where we're really living. This is the reality of where we're really living. Because I really, listen, I've been taking and trying to just read Psalms 23 that we've all heard quoted at funerals left and right. That's not a funeral text, friend. As, as I go through the valley, that means you're going through something. Come on now. You're going to go through something. All of our problems is a lordship problem. We really don't see him as Lord. Come on, somebody. We see him as a whatnot on a shelf. We see him as some lottery ticket that maybe we're going to skip out of this life and finally make it into heaven. We really don't see him as Lord having a real kingdom, a real king sitting on a real throne and having a real kingdom. So we kind of hope like with some, with some fairy tale image that maybe someone could get healed. Maybe God's going to come through for me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. God help us to see you as Lord. So listen to this. Who do you say that I am is addressed to each of us. Who is the Jesus of your own inner world? Describe the Christ that you have personally encountered on the grounds of your own self. We can only repeat pious turns of speech that others have spoken if we have not gained some partial insight into the richness of the mysteries of Jesus Christ. The way you find the richness of his depths is in your failures and in your shortcomings. You go to him and you find love and acceptance. Come on, somebody. Most of us, what we found in that throughout our, our, throughout our I ain't got time to go through this because I've been on for two weeks, but most of us, what we found is punishment and someone beat the tar out of us. So we expect the same out of God. Now let's go to Luke chapter 7. Before we go there, I want to read you this. It says, My own glimpse of Jesus moved from obscurity to increasing clarity on a winter's night, December the 13th, 1968. In the Saragossa Desert in Spain, I was living in a cave 6,000 feet above the village of Farlet. It was 3 a.m. and the world was asleep, but my heart was awake to God. During what began as a long and lonely hour of prayer, I heard Jesus say, for love, for love of you, I left my father's side. I came to you who ran from me, who fled me, who did not want to hear my name. For love of you, I was covered with spit, punched and beaten and fixed to the wood of the cross. Although it was 35 years ago this morning in an hour of quiet time, I realized that those words still burned on my life. Whether I am in a state of grace or disgrace, the words impose themselves with stark realism of objective truth. That night in the cave, I stared at a crucifix for hours, figuratively seeing the blood streaming from every wound and pore in Christ's body. And I heard the cry of his blood. This is not a joke. It's not a laughing matter to me that I have loved you. The longer I looked, the more I realized that no man has ever loved me and no woman could ever love me 
as he does. I cried out in the darkness, Jesus, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind to have loved me so much? I learned that night what a wise old, I'm struggling with this word, some minister told me that day, I joined the order. Once you come to know the love of Jesus Christ, listen to this, once you come to know the love of Jesus Christ, nothing else in the world will seem beautiful or desirable. Ironically, it was the same day, December 13th, 12 years later, that I went to pray in the parish church in Tameric, Florida. At 2 in the afternoon, the usual tenor of my prayer life is dryness, longing, and experiencing the absence of God in the hope of communion. But the moment I knelt down, my mind was filled with the image of a three-year-old boy playing on the rug in, the, in his living room. Off in the corner, his mother sat on the floor in the lotus position, knitting. Suddenly, she dropped her work, beckoning to him. He toddled over and climbed up on her lap. She smiled down at him and asked softly, How much do you love me? He extended his tiny arms as far as they would go and explained, This much I love you. In an instant, it was 30-some years later, the little boy in the fullness of manhood hung nailed to a crossbeam. His mother looked up and said, how much do you love me? His arms were stretched out to the ends of the universe. This much, I love you. And he died. Friend, I'm telling you, God's passion about us. You hear me? Now, I want to read you this in Luke chapter 7. You okay? chapter 7 let's start in verse 36 afterward a Jewish religious leader named Simon afterward a Jewish religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner Jesus accepted the invitation when he went to Simon's home he took his place at the table in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with her tears, with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair over and over. She kissed Jesus' feet. She opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. Look at this. Verse 39, when Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. 
If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Remember what we started. The question tonight is, what is the Christ of our internal world? It's not whatever, it's the Christ that we have encountered ourselves. And here Peter sees a sinful woman. She's well known in town as a prostitute. She don't have it together. Now here's the Christ at his house, and she come in with, a, with an expensive uh, alabaster box, and she pours it over the feet of Jesus, and she begins to worship him. And in this act of worship, in him watching her pour out her heart before the Lord, his question in his mind is, he cannot be a true prophet because if he was a prophet, he would know what type a woman this is at his feet listen to this religion always points out what's wrong with you religion always points out what what you lack who you are not and that you are never worthy to sit at Jesus feet instead of Peter having that knowledge what he needed to have the knowledge of is who was the one that she was worshiping who was full of grace mercy and love come on somebody he had not encountered this about the Lord yet Religion always points out why. If he were a prophet, he would know what, what manner of a woman is at his feet. But what he did not know was that the Christ was full of love, full of mercy, and full of forgiveness. You with me? Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. I love this. Go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000 and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. My God, let's pray this and do this. Huh? Listen to this. All that they owed, tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one, which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right. Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling, kneeling here? She is doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as a guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet, yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and then dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even, you didn't even welcome me into your home with the customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven of all her many sins. This is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Listen to this. Friend, we've been forgiven of a lot. One thing that's wrong with the church, when we come in here and we get cleaned up and learn how to be presentable, we forget where we truly came from. Come on, if it were not for the grace of God, none of us would be in this room tonight. If it were not for the grace of God, none of us, including myself, would even be even able to hold the mic in their, home, in, in their own hand to tell of the goodness of God. We are all in need of the mercy and glory of God in this room. 
Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to say this. Listen, I had a dream some two years ago, and I believe, and maybe not quite two years ago, but in my dream, Steve was building, he was building, I knew we were building a house. I knew we were building a church. And there was all of these, there was like somebody had come in and put piles of dirt and all this kind of stuff down the road to get to the church. And Steve looked at me and there was this big front end loader. He said, you get on that front end loader and you clear every bit of this debris out where people could get down this road. God was speaking to me. Listen, listen, what the debris is, is the messages that we preached in our church. You got to be this certain type of deal before you can ever come into the house of God. Nobody goes outside to take a shower then come inside to take a shower. What Jesus said, listen here you don't understand the depth of my love Peter I know this woman's jacked up but she's going to stay jacked up unless she has an encounter with me but I'm believing what's on my life through the power of transfer of the night into this woman's heart I'm about to deal with all of her guilt I'm about to deal with all of her shame I'm about to let her have access listen the same access you got she's about to get tonight but when she leaves this place every bit of that stuff she thought about herself is going to be washed off of her life and she's going to be transformed the only way we can ever walk in true transformation is have the depth of God's love to penetrate deep in our hearts this is it friend when you realize how much he loves you you will love him back and one of the things that the religious crowd is afraid of if you really preach God's love like that people will go out and live the way they want to that listen that is still a sphere tactic My job is not to control how you live. My job is to point you to the truth. And when you see how much God loves for you, you will want to love Him. We're not looking, trying to go to the club tonight, friend. Come on, somebody. We realize how much we've been forgiven in this room. And when you realize that your failures... And let's establish this. Everybody in this room has something you're trying to overcome. And it is a lifetime journey. It's a lifetime journey. The things that had a hold of me when I was 21 don't have a hold of me tonight. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why don't, why, why don't we celebrate how far we come? A lot of times we look at where we're not, but we got to turn around and look at where we started, friend. I started a long ways down on the ground, and thank God I'm not there anymore. I may not be where I think I need to be or where somebody else thinks I need to be, but by the grace of God, I know the one who's going to get me there in the morning. Come on, somebody. Now, this lady was disqualified in Peter's mind to ever even receive an encounter. Stan and I were talking about this. He was telling me about, he, he got in this debate with another leader, which, God, I hate getting in debates. You know what I'm saying? But, and he just left to this, and this is what he said. He said, I think we're going to, I think we're going to be shocked when we get there. The ones we never thought would have made it are going to make it. And the ones we thought might have sure been there may not be there. Jesus' harshest rebukes did not come to the sinners. That's why the religious crowd could not stand him. How can he openly hang out with these people? He would Do y'all read the same Bible I read? I mean, he had a crowd around him that was not the who's who of ministry. But Jesus refused to live by the praises of man or, or try to meet their expectation. He came with his own kingdom. He didn't have nobody to impress but his father. And the religious crowd couldn't take this. 
And look at this. Jesus looks at this woman. He looks at this woman. And he says, all your sins are forgiven. All your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, who is the one who can even forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. I ain't got time to go in this, but in Romans 5, the only way that you're ever going to have peace with God is to know that you're truly forgiven. Just go home and read Romans 5 in the Passion Translation. You have it and, and have yourself a happy dance when you get home. But the only way to live in true peace is to know that you're truly forgiven. If not, you're going to have this long you're going to have this long distance relationship with God. You're never going to come boldly before the throne of grace. We was I was raised up in church, which is how we used to pray. God, would you God, we just pray we come to you just as humbly and just as broke up, beat up. God, we just come to you just as humbly as we know how. There is nowhere in the Bible that says, God, we just come to you just as humbly as we know how. The Bible says that we come in the throne room of grace boldly in confidence, not arrogant, but in confidence, in confidence in who? The finished work of Christ on the cross. Come on, y'all. Let's look at this in John chapter 21. So what we got here, verse 39, if you knew who it was, if you knew who it was, you wouldn't allow her to touch you. What does religion always point out? Sinfulness. What does the kingdom and the gospel always point out? God's righteousness. Y'all good? John chapter 21, verse 15. Remember, this is the same Peter now. You remember the Last Supper? Peter looks around the room. He says, all these men right here fade, but I don't never fade. I'm going with you to the end. Did he not say that? Jesus told him, he said, hold on, buddy. Hold on. He says, for the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus, Peter had already scanned the room. He said, listen now. Hey, Bartholomew, we know he's weak anyhow. Judas is stealing. Come on. But he said, Lord, you can count on me. I'm going to be with you even to the end. I'll die with you. Jesus looked at him. And he says, hold on. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's last chance was when a young teenage girl approached him in the garden when he was following. The scripture says, from a distance. Does it not say that? King James says, from afar. That means a fire in the south. Man, there's so much you could preach from right there. First of all, Peter goes and joins himself to warm himself by a fire that they had built. God will put it out your own flame. You won't have to warm yourself by somebody else's flame. Come on, y'all. And a young teenage girl challenged Peter and says, Peter, this guy right here, he, he, he's with him also. Then the scripture says he starts cussing. Come on now. Did it say that? He started cursing. Ain't no church folk do that now, but he was cussing. 
that he hears the rooster crow. What happens when he hears the rooster crow? He leaves. He goes back where? To what he knew when Jesus met him. Fishing. Returns back. Peter don't feel like no disciple at this moment. He's blew it. He knows he's blew it. He knew the Lord was right when he said he would deny him three times. He remembers the words of Jesus, and he was not there when Jesus needed him most. Jesus crucified, goes in a tomb. He's resurrected on the third day. And now Peter's out with some of the others, and they're back fishing. Jesus is fixing to approach him in his fallen state. Now, in today's time, he would have been called into counsel. He would have had to meet with the pastor and the elders of the church. He would have been at least on a six-month sabbatical because he had felt he had fallen. Y'all, come on now. <laughs> there you know I'm telling it the way it happens. He'd have been on a he everybody in the church would have known that he had went down. Because we would have we would have said it like this. This is how it would have happened in the, in the church world where it would be legal. We'd have called him on the phone. Listen, I'm just telling you about this so we can pray about it. Then you know, I, I need you to pray about this. But now the time next Sunday comes, when Peter walks in the room, everybody like, yep, there he is. Oh, listen, Jesus sees him knowing where his condition is. Because when you fall, what starts building up in your life is guilt and shame, condemnation. With me? You know, one of the things that I remember listening, this was probably, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, two years ago. And I remember listening to Damon, and I still... Loved him, loved his teaching and preaching the most back in the day when he was just hollering and screaming, my God, I mean, he just preached. And he looks at this crowd of kids and he said this, when you mess up, when you mess up, remember this. And here was a guy that preached, I mean, who had the Nazarite vow at one time. I mean, they were just fasting 40 days and the whole nine yards and I believe in all that even though I don't look like I look like I feast more than a fast but he told these kids when you mess up because the reality is they are going to mess up and the reality is we going to mess up so you got to know how to handle what you do after you mess up y'all right so Peter is messed up probably the least person in the depths of his heart in the depths of his heart, he wants to see the Lord. But the voice that is going off in his heart, you made a mistake, he wants to hide from the Lord. Now Jesus sees him and we're fixing to see what his response is. And John chapter 21 verse 15 says this, After they had breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you burn with love for me more than these? Do you burn? Listen, you, you said out of your own mouth you were going to follow me even unto the death. But, you, but I told you in that room, in front of your brother, and I told you in that room that you were going to deny me three times before the rooster cries. Now, Peter, do you love me more than these? 
Look at his response. Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated his question the second time. Simon, son of John, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, Lord. You know that I I have great affection for you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Look at this. Then Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of John, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked a third time and said, My Lord, you know everything, and you know that I burn with love for you. Jesus replied, Then feed my lambs. Peter, listen. When you were younger, you made your own choices, and you went where you pleased. But one day when you're old, others will will tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he would die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. Now I've heard this, I've heard this priest several different type ways. Number one, he asked him three times because he denied him three times. But in the light of the vein I'm in, let me tell you what he was doing. Because the first time he said, yea, Lord, I love you, that the sound of that rooster was still in his heart. The second time, yea, Lord, I love you, the sound of that rooster got a little bit quieter in his heart. The third time when he said, Lord, you know all things, and you know I burn for love for you, Jesus was silencing that failure that was in his life, and he reminded Peter of this. Peter, I've never doubted one minute what I said of you back when you said who I was. I said you were the rock. I knew you were a leader, and I knew you were a preacher, and I come to remind you, you're still that man. My God, y'all, this is good. I came to remind you, you're still that man. I still believe in you. I still see that leadership call on you and I want you to know Peter I want you to feed my lambs and listen here when you say it the third time the voice of that rooster is going to be silenced in your life how many times do we fall and when we make mistakes that voice lingers with us six months a year and two years down the road and we buy into that lie that we're that failure that we owned it that that's who we are and it is nothing but a lie you're not that failure friend do you listen to me I don't care if you fall five times a week. That is not who you are. You got to believe who God says you are. You're a child of the most high. You're a royal priesthood. Come on somebody. You're a king's kid. You're a man of God. You're a woman of God. This is what he was doing. Peter, you are still the leader that I saw in you when I got on your boat and you loaned me your boat and you saw my goodness for the first time in your life when I told you to drop the nets again and you said, Lord, we fished all night. But when you dropped them that time and you caught a great number of fish and you fell at my feet and you said, I'm a sinful man. And I forgave you, cleansed you, and you got up. You're still that man. Can I tell you, in your weakness, you're still the person who God says you are. And it is only, listen, I'm trying to tell you, you are never going to get free by willpower. You will never get free by willpower. 
And this is one of the things that Jesus was killing out of Peter. You're not going to do it on your strengths. Because what you're going to learn, you're going to learn that I'm the one that's strong and you're the one that's weak. And when you preach out of your weakness, you will show my strength. Has anybody ever struggled besides me in this room? I've never defeated things and giants in my life through willpower. I've defeated giants in my life through surrender. I'm going to say that again. I've never defeated giants in my life through willpower. I defeated giants in my life through surrender by saying, God, I have fallen 1,050 times to this same thing. I cannot beat it, but I need your grace to come upon me to overtake this thing. Hello. And can I tell you as a testimony and a witness to that grace tonight, if we surrender to it, come on somebody, that grace is the empowerment to take us through it. The grace of God is not a license to sin. The grace is the operational power of God to overcome sin. Man, I ain't got time to get in this. But... The noise of the rooster. The noise of the noise of the rooster. As Peter's standing out, I'm just telling you, with every cast, with every turn of the boat, all he could hear was that rooster crowing. And all he could see was that failure. But when the Lord met him, he didn't say, Peter, I cannot believe you let me down. He did not come in here and say, Peter, you disgust me. Peter, when I needed you most, you failed me. The Lord never reminded him of his failure. The Lord only reminded him of who he saw in him. Y'all, that's good news right there. So listen to this. In your failure, instead of running from God, if you would run to God, God would do the same for you and I tonight. <laughs> instead of running from God and hiding like he don't know what we got to start with. Come on, somebody. He sees through the glove box, the mattress, and everything else we got. Hello. Instead of running from God if we would run to God like Matt said tonight if we could run up to the house if he could make it in grandma's house whatever he had everything was alright it's the same way with the father's house religion always points out mistakes God's always pointing out to his righteousness God always listen when you when you go to the doctor when you go to the doctor the doctor wants to know what your symptoms are and he's going to show you an antidote to the problem that you have is that right? You don't go to the doctor and he just keeps calling out the problems, keeps calling out the problems, and he says, yep, you definitely got, you definitely got the flu. That's all I can tell you, you got the flu. There ain't nothing we can do. There's nothing can be done for the flu. I mean, you're just going to have the flu. This has got the flu. That one's got the flu. Listen, no, when you go to a doctor, he gives you an antidote. The antidote to sin is the cross of Calvary. We have no struggle with sin because it's already been dealt with. Why are we trying to fight something that's already been caged up and locked down? And I, I'm going to just, when I would go to church, we would set, we called it testimony service, but really for 45 minutes it was to give praise to the devil. Hey, beat everybody up. I'm not trying to be ugly. Lord, just pray we stay true to the end. Friend, you're going to make it. Settle that in your heart. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it because God made a way for you. 
And the way he made for you was not by your Bible reading. Not by you coming to church and paying your tithes. That's not your way to make it. Your way to make it is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. That what he did for you was enough. That's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to make it. That's the gospel truth. That's the gospel truth. Now, do we need the church? Absolutely you need the church. You need a body of believers to encourage you and all of that. But the truth is, the ticket, what punches your ticket is your belief in Jesus. Father, I pray tonight. Come on, raise your hands. We should get out of here. We've got to get our children off. God, drown out the roosters. Drown out the failures. Drown out the weaknesses that we have bought a lie into to believe that it is always going to be this way. Friend, you cannot buy into that. That is a lie. Look at me right now. Well, it's always been this way is a lie. That's a lie. Let me tell you something. Listen, the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says when all this is wrapped up, we're going to walk over to the pit, look at the devil, and we're going to be amazed that that's what caused all this havoc on the earth. The scripture says a no-name angel shall deal with him and throw him in there. Not even one of the archangels, a no-name angel. Come on now. So think about this. The book of Colossians says this, that Christ defeated him, cut his feet off. Come on now. He defeated him, made an open shame of him, stripped him. Had he had known the outcome, he had never crucified the Lord of glory. Is that what the Bible says? So he's defeated, right? Now, the only way he has, he has no authority. I didn't say he didn't have power. He has no authority. What does it matter if you got all the power in the world, but you ain't got no authority to use it? You with me? He has no authority. So what, why does he want to wreak havoc on your life is because you have been given authority. Jesus said, I give you the what? The keys to the kingdom. You the one that's got the authority. So he wants to hijack you to get your authority. How does he get your authority? By suggesting lies to you. He wants you to come into an agreement. Well, we say this in the church all the time. If two, if two of us touch and agree on anything, that thing shall be established through faith, right? If you agree on a lie, you can establish that lie in your life. And agreeing on the lies, well, it's all, well, we've been broke our whole life. We always going to be that way. That's a lie. I said it's a lie. I said that's a lie. Well, I've dealt with this for 15 years of my life. That's always, that is a lie. That is a lie. If you believe that, you will continue to deal with it. But if you believe the truth, know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make us free. The truth is not just knowing the truth of God's Word. The truth is the reality of where you're at. I, I got I to give me three minutes right to finish this. Because here's the, there's one thing. It's one thing to struggle and live in hiddenness with the struggle. It's another thing to live with a healthy self-awareness say, God, this is beating me up right here. And I need some help with this. That's the reality of knowing where I'm at. Come on. This is same like, like an addiction. You're never going to beat an addiction by blaming everybody else for your problem. But when you name your problem, come on, put a name on it. Say, listen, this issue's in my life right here. I ain't going to lie about it. This has got me right now. But the truth is, he paid a way for me to get out of it. You with me? So we've got to, don't come into the agreement with the lies. We're blessed and highly favored of God. Larry, Larry told me he's going to send you 85,000 texts a, a, a week about the power of what we've been given with this mouth because it is true. In the, the reality of the deal, we are eating the fruit 
that we spoke into existence yesterday. My God, what if, we, what if you woke up every morning and said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm totally free in every area of my life. Come on, somebody. The addiction that had me for 10 years has been broken off of my life. If we change the way we talk, if we change the way we think, we will change the way we talk. That's why repentance is not getting up here falling over an altar, weeping and wailing, although godly sorrow does lead to repentance. But repentance, metanoia, means to change the way we think. So if we change the way we think, we'd change our life. I can tell you that right now. Change the way we think, we can change our life. We got to change the way we think about God. We cannot believe the lies that we, we cannot allow the lies that we believe. Bill Johnson says it like this. You cannot afford to have one thought in your head that he doesn't have about you. You cannot afford to have one thought in your head that God doesn't have about you. We quote Jeremiah 29, 11 all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to bless you, not to harm you and give you a good future. Do you know the context of Jeremiah 29? That is written to his people in Babylonian captivity. Shackled down in captivity. He said, this is what I think about you. Shackled down in captivity. This is what I think. I, this is what I have for you. Plans to bless you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a great hope. That is over every person in this room, not just a preacher. The blessing of God rests upon your life. I don't care what's in your bank account. you got to believe the blessing of God rests upon your life. Genesis 37 and Genesis 39, somewhere around in there, I think it's chapter 37, starts like this. Joseph, butt naked, being sold as a slave, says he was successful for God is with him. you got to believe God is with you every day. Come on, y'all. I said, I said, you got to believe the Lord. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, the real king who's got a real kingdom. Come on, y'all, tonight is with you every day. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it is in you right now. I said it's in you right now. I said it's in you right now. You want to expect something great? I'm about tired of seeing it just happen to Donna all the time. I mean, walking in the supernatural power blessing of God. Look at her like, you're crazy. It's on your life. It's on your life. It's on your life. It's on my life. It's on your life, Timmy. Expect God to do something great. Let's quit living like from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. We are not dogs. We are the children of God. Come on, somebody. Let's get off the crumbs. I said, let's get off the crumbs. We've settled for crumbs because religion told us we wasn't nothing but a bunch of heathens barely going to make it, going to have smoke on us when we get there, and we can't deserve nothing because of all the failures. And I, Listen, we are not dogs eating crumbs that's falling from the master's table. We are like Mephibosheth with all our brokenness sitting fully at the table of the... Come on, y'all. Even when I go through hell, he said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know how good God is? God makes the devil sit there and watch you eat the goodness right there and let you eat it from his table. That's how good God is. I better quit. I'm about to start a revival in here. We got to change the way we think. You with me? That's why I have to read so much. I felt myself, I ain't going there. I felt myself getting a little agitated. That's because I was looking at the news. 
Isaiah 6, my final closing. Isaiah, when he sees the glory of God, he says, I dwell in a people of unclean lips. Does he not? You and I live in a world where, where three to four generations ago got news once a week. You and I got it running 24-7. And they pumping 99.9.9.9% fear because that's what's selling. Hello. That's why Y2K, the church had enough generators. I ain't even going, man, come on. Because fear sells. But if syrup goes to $10 a sock, we're going to have the $10 to get it. How do you know that? Because I've read the Bible. Even in an inferior covenant, when the children of Israel were living in Goshen, and Egypt was getting ransacked, they was lied in the land of Goshen. Hello? Father, I bless your people tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost of heaven in this room. I bless your people tonight. I declare over your people, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And the mind that is stayed upon you, you shall keep in perfect peace. And the peace of God shall crush the enemy underneath our feet. I declare us in this room, we are fully, fully delivered. We're not trying to be delivered. I'm not looking for the day to be delivered. I have already been delivered. I got delivered when I crossed from death unto life. Come on, somebody. I thank you tonight that I'm 100% healed in my body. I am 100% healed. I'm not looking to be healed one day. I'm not hoping something's going to happen. I am 100% healed right now in my body because I was healed when I accepted you, Jesus, as my Savior. I thank you that my mind is sound. I don't have depression and anxiety and all of these things that are trying to creep up in my heart of fear. I don't have that. Why? Because you did not give it to me and my life is fully in you. I thank you that you live inside of me. You are with me every day. You shall never leave me nor forsake me. You ain't got nothing but good to give me. You ain't got nothing but blessings to bestow on me and my family and I thank you for it God. I thank you for the greatness of God being displayed in my life. In Jesus mighty name amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.